It's Friday. You know what that means. It's the Depot Cast for the 19th of February, 2021. Uh, I'm Mike. Mary's here. Hello. And Mackenzie's in Sault Ste. Marie again. Hi, Mackenzie. Hello, hello. What's going on up north? Uh, not much. Actually, it's really sunny today, so there's something different for you. Did you get as much <laughs> snow as we got this last week? Um, I think so. We got a lot more, so... So are you able to, like, sled out the window of your dorm now? Not yet. Ah. It did get warmer, so it started melting a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we got, um, I think it ended up being, like, 11 inches of snow. Yeah, quite a bit on Monday night. Uh, It's Michigan. Yep, so we we got Tuesday off. Yep. The, the entire day I was supposed to be working from home and spent the entire time fighting with a snowblower. That not a good way to spend a snow day. No, tell you. that's um, not fun. And then yesterday, yesterday was Thursday, Wednesday. <laughs> time is a blur. I don't it know. It is. What, I don't, I don't even know what day it is. The only reason I know it's Friday is because we do a show on it. Um, Wednesday, we, we technically had a snow day, but we wanted to do the farmer's market. Yeah anyway so we did that winter market winter market yep um we probably neglected to uh advertise it <laughs> as well as we could have because but the we had people that came in massive that was cool. but yeah it was uh it was worth doing yeah we learned some lessons about what to do better the next time uh yeah so that was uh that's been our week uh i we we had a normal work day yesterday in which two people came in yeah and today's been pretty slow as well yeah it's february yeah so uh but because it was a snow day week uh i also never got around to thinking about what we should do for a show until like yesterday <laughs> weird that that keeps happening to me um so i was i was like messing around on google and i did a search for like uh most famous train robberies Thinking, well, you know, we could talk about that while keeping in my mind, I want to save some of the story for when we can get Mallory back on the show. Uh, And then you texted me at like noon that was like, hey, if you haven't thought of anything, can we do train robberies? Uh, So I accused you of being able to read my mind and told you that that wasn't permitted. So (laughs) (laughs) I had been thinking about it last week a little bit. And then I was like, you know what? I think it'd be a really cool topic to do. So it's kind of funny you were thinking the same thing. Yeah, so we're going to talk about two specific train robberies. Uh, one that was in the United States in like 1877, uh, and then one that happened in the United Kingdom in 1963. Uh, we also thought about discussing a, a Russian train robbery from 1993, because <laughs> apparently people are still st- trying to st- rob trains. <laughs> you wouldn't think that that would be a thing anymore. I mean, I, I get it in the early 1900s, but... In the 1960s? I mean, that that you're talking 50 years ago, 60 years ago. 1993 Russia. They were Russia I, by then. They weren't even the Soviet I Union. I know. That just seems odd to me. So anyway, without further ado, we're going to talk about some train robberies. Uh, all the normal stuff we would talk about on the show, such as what do we have in the gift shop, uh, it's still the same stuff. We haven't bought anything new in a while. However, we're talking Not about yet. it. Yes, we are talking about uh, it. So... Next week's show might just be Mike, Mary, and Mackenzie go through the catalogs and <laughs> talk about cool stuff they want to buy. Uh, because you never know with this show what you're going to get. Uh, we hope it's entertaining. Yep. 
that's debatable. I'm not, you know, I guess I'm not the <laughs> arbiter of what is entertaining, but I will try. Um, okay, so uh, Mackenzie, would you like to go first? Um, sure. All right. Okay. So tell us about your train robbery. What'd you find? So today we're talking about the Union Pacific Big Springs robbery, which was a robbery of Union Pacific train near present-day Big Springs, Nebraska on September 18, 1877. The robbery was completed by a gang of six outlaws led by Sam Bass. So, though there are no fatalities, the bandits reportedly sold $60,000 in newly rented $20 gold pieces, which was being shipped from the San Francisco Mint to a bank in the eastern United States, among other valuables. How? So how much was that again? $60,000 in newly minted $20 gold pieces. All right, so while you're doing that, I'm going to look up how much that is in today's money. Alrighty, we'll move on to the next little section here. So, late in the evening of Tuesday, September 18, 1877, Union Pacific Express train number four, carrying passengers and cargo from San Francisco, stopped at a remote water station in what is now the village of Big Springs in Nebraska. Under cover of night, an outlaw gang known as the Black Hill Bandits, including leader Sam Bass, Joel Collins, Jack Davis, Tom Nixon, Bill Helfridge and Jim Barry boarded the train at 10.48 p.m. and proceeded to rob it. The bandits found $450 in the waysafe, which a waysafe is used for storing passengers' valuables, and after interrogating an attendant as why the main safe would not open, one of the bandits pistol whipped the man. They did not believe that the lock was on a timer, so if they didn't think that it was going to be able to open before the train reached its destination, and that's what the attendant was telling them, and they didn't believe him at first, they called off his rowdy comrade. As the gang was walking towards the door, all but empty-handed and ready to flee the scene of the crime, something caught the eye of one of the men, which was three wooden boxes stacked by the main safe. Oh, here we go. It says right here what it's equivalent to in 2019. Uh, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> $1.4 million. Yep, $60,000 equivalent to $1,440,563. Yeah, it's actually worth slightly less today. I don't know how that's possible. It's worth... That's it, odd. A website oh. that, I don't know, you could trust it if you wanted to, uh, says it's worth uh, $1.198 million. So like one $1,198,000. i am going to go with your number because it's more impressive. How did they go down? Okay, so were, was the coins in the wooden boxes next to the safe? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Stacked by, Stacked the, main by safe. the main safe. <laughs> Management so, wasn't on their game that day, were they? Hiding in, in plain sight. <laughs> no kidding. So they also stole $1,300 plus four gold watches from the passengers. So this was the first and greatest robbery of a Union Pacific train. So the bandits were, have said, to divide their shares of the earnings, so they split it six ways. And it resulted in no fatalities, but they did capture the station master. So the station master lived, but eight days after the robbery, um, a bunch of the gang members were killed. <laughs> a group so of ten United States soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> so they rounded up a posse of their own. Eight days after the robbery, they were killed by a sheriff wow. as well in the 10 United States soldiers. Wow, it looks like uh, 
some like they escaped. Some of them actually got away. Yeah, there was Bass and Davis. Well, Nixon as well. Looks like it says Nixon presumably escaped home to Canada. Mm-hmm. And I believe Sam Bass also escaped unharmed. Wow. Well, now I got it. Now I got to go on tug on that string. Sam Bass. He lived until 1878, the ripe old age of 27. Oh, man. He so died at 27? What took him out at 27? Uh, looking to see here. He's died from gunshot wounds. Oh, okay. Bass and his gang were scouting. Uh, they were trying to rob, looks like, a store. Oh, no, they so, were planning to rob the Williamson County Bank in, in Round uh, Round Rock, Texas. Didn't uh, change his ways, huh? No, they stole a million dollars and were like, ah, I could probably go for some more. Uh, wow. In, on July 19, 1878, Bass and his gang were scouting the area before the robbery. When they bought some tobacco at a store, they were noticed by Williamson County Deputy Sheriff A.W. Grimes. Uh, when Grimes, man, the Deputy Sheriff actually did something. I've watched too much gun smoke. <laughs> It's been a long winter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man. Uh, when Grimes approached the men to request that they surrender their sidearms, he was shot and killed. A gunfight ensued as Bass attempted to flee. He was shot by Texas Rangers George Harold and Sergeant Richard Ware. Soapy Smith and his cousin Edwin witnessed Ware shot. Soapy exclaimed, I think he got him. <laughs> oh. He died on his 27th birthday. Uh, an interesting note to all of this is the fact that no one in Round Rock nor any of the visiting Texas Rangers except for Jim Murphy knew what any of the basking looked like. In fact, after Seaborn Barnes was killed and lay in the street, Ware had to have Murphy identify the body as no one else knew who the man was. Ware himself stated that he had seen the same three men enter in town crossing the street, earlier in town and uh, crossing the street near the dry goods store, but did not recognize them as the Bass Gang. Bass was later found lying in a pasture west of Round Rock by Williamson County Deputy James Milton Tucker. More specifically, Bass had to call out to the posse as they were about to ride by him, shouting, Hey, I'm over here. I'm Sam Bass, the one you are looking for. He was taken into custody and died the next day on July 21st, 1878, his 27th birthday. Bass was buried in Round Rock in what is now known as Round Rock Cemetery. His grave is now marked with a replacement headstone as the original suffered at the hands of souvenir collectors over the years. What remains of the original stone is on display at the Round Rock Public Library. Hmm. They named a road after him, though, in Round Rock, so famous forever, I suppose. I clicked on the link for the library to see if they actually had a picture of what was left of that. That's funny. I just did that, too. Yeah. <laughs> all, all they have a picture of on Wikipedia is the fire department bell that they had. So I guess that like people were probably like taking a chisel to the headstone to pop a rock off of it or something. Oh, must he's infamous. Yeah. Especially from around there, like Oh yeah. That'd be the most famous person from the area. Yeah, if somebody came through Durand and robbed a train, we would never let them forget it. Yeah. Although there is a guy underneath a headstone. We don't even know if there's a guy underneath there. There's just a headstone out on uh, Hagel Street yep. that we've never been able to identify who he was or why that headstone why is there. there. Um, and I suppose to actually see if there was a person there, you'd either need a bunch of shovels or 
equipment we don't have. Yeah. There, there is equipment that you don't have to like mess with, like the, Sonic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Stuff, but I understand that stuff's very expensive. So, at least uh, that's what I was told when I was in college. <laughs> that stuff is very expensive yep. to have. You, you don't go out and buy it. You hire a company to come in and. Yeah, you can't get it at Home Depot. No. Um. Okay. So that was uh that was the uh big springs robbery uh and i'm going to talk about the great train robbery in, in 1963 i'm very congested today I, I bet i sound terrible on mic as opposed to how terrible i normally sound on mic <laughs> uh the great train robbery was the robbery of 2.6 million pounds from a Royal Mail train heading from Glasgow to Scott, uh, to London on the wing, West Coast Main Line in the early hours of August 8th, 1963, uh, on a bridge near uh, Buckinghamshire in England. Uh, after tampering with the line side signals in order to bring the train to a halt, a gang of 15, led by Bruce Reynolds, attacked the train. Uh, three. Uh, they, so there's a whole list of people. And then three men that were only known as numbers one, two, and three. (laughs) (laughs) Must not have identified them. Those are the ringers. Ah. Uh, A 16th man, an unnamed retired train driver, was also present. Uh, With careful planning based on inside information from an individual known as the Ulsterman, uh, the robbers escaped with over 2.6 million, equivalent to 55 million pounds in 2019. Uh, 55... And this is 1963. Yeah. Pounds to dollars. Why are they carrying that much money on a train in 1963? I think we'll get to that. Okay. Um, 55,000 pounds is worth seven or 55 million pounds is worth $77 million today. That's a lot. Mackenzie, are you there? Yeah, that's a lot. Oh, <laughs> she was just stunned. <laughs> I thought we had lost you on the call. Um, no, I was doing the math in my head. I was like, that's a lot. <laughs> $77 million. Um, the bulk of the stolen money was never recovered. Although the gang never u- did not use any firearms, Jack Mills, the train driver, was beaten over the head with a metal bar. He was severely he was so severely injured that he never worked again. After the robbery, the gang hit at Leather Slade Farm. After police found the hideout, incriminating evidence led to the eventual arrest and conviction of most of the gang. The ringleaders were sentenced to 30 years in jail. But they never found most of the money. Wow. All right, so let's... So that's a treasure hunt just waiting to happen, isn't it? Like, if you know you're going to jail for 30 years, but they never found the money that you stole? Yeah. Did they spend it or did they hide it? Uh, Let's find out. Uh, okay, so the plan to intercept and rob the overnight Glasgow to London mail train. So that's why they had that much money on it. It was a mail train. Yeah, but still. But that's also why like bank stuff was moved back and forth. Okay. Remember, this is 1963. I know, but it just seems odd. Uh, was based on information by an un- unnamed senior security officer within Royal Mail who had, deta- who had detailed knowledge of the amounts of money carried. He was introduced to two of the criminals who would carry out the raid, Gordon Goody and Buster Edwards, by a London solicitor's clerk, Brian Field. The raid was devised over a period of months by a core team, Goody and Edwards, along with Bruce Reynolds and Charlie Wilson, with Reynolds assuming the role of mastermind. This gang, although 
Speaking of which, Mastermind is a pretty cool, like, too bad you can't put it on, like, on a resume or anything. Yeah, exactly. Was Mastermind of 1963 train robbery of over $77 million. Like, you're... I don't think an employer would hire you if you put that on a resume. We probably wouldn't let them work here. No. Because we, we have retail stuff. Exactly. And we're a museum. So, sorry, Mr. Reynolds. Despite <laughs> being a mastermind, not qualified to work at Duran Union Station. This gang, although very successful in the criminal underworld, had virtually no experience in stopping and robbing trains. So, it was agreed to enlist the help of another London gang known as the South Coast Raiders, who apparently had history <laughs> as accomplished train robbers. This is 1963. Oh my gosh. Okay, keep going. This group also included Roger Cordry, a man who was a specialist in his field and knew how to rig the trackside signals to stop the train. Uh, yeah, the final gang was well, cool. a total of 16 men. So they found somebody who knew how to stop, who knew how to mess with Manipulate the signals, signals yeah. right. Uh, at uh, 6.50 p.m. on Wednesday the 7th of August, the traveling post office, TPO, up special train set off from Glasgow Central Station en route to Euston Station in London. It was scheduled to arrive at Euston at 4 in the morning. The train was hauled by English Electric Type 4. Okay, whatever. I don't need to know about the locomotives this time. <laughs> it consisted of 12 carriages and carried 72 post office staff who sorted mail during the journey. Uh, remember, this is like even in, in America, this is how the mail was yeah, transported. I, there were, I suppose there was mail trains that came into the depot in the 60s. It just seems weird because yeah. it doesn't seem like Okay, I'm dating myself, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem, seem like, like that long that ago. Long ago. Yeah. Uh, mail was loaded on the train at Glasgow. Uh, this is more of a description of like how mail hooks were are deployed. Like they put them on giant poles, and you reach out with a hook and grab them. Yep. Um, the second carriage behind the engine was known as the HVP, High Value Packages Coach, which carried large amounts of money and registered mail for sorting. Usually the value of the shipment was in the region of 300,000 pounds, but because the previous weekend had been a UK bank holiday, the total on the day of the robbery was to be between 2.5 and 3 million pounds. Wow. So, yeah, it was a uh, it was like two weekends worth of ah of money being moved. In 1960, the post office investigation branch recommended the fitting of alarms to all uh HVP carriages. This recommendation was implemented in 1961. But HVP carriages without alarms were retained in reserve. Uh, one of the, the uh, that is why there was no alarm, because it was using an older carriage that okay. didn't have it. Stopping the train just after three in the morning on the eighth, the driver, fifty-eight-year-old Jack Mills, uh, stopped the train on the West Coast Main Line at a red signal light at Sears Crossing between Leighton, Buzzard, and Cheddington. There's just some all-time great city names yeah, exactly. or village names here. <laughs> Anytime you talk about the UK, yep. I, I bet Leighton Buzzard has a has a soccer team too. That would be cool. <laughs> the signal had been tampered with by the robbers. They had covered the green light and connected a battery to power the red light. The locomotive's second crew number, known as the second man or fireman, was twenty six year old David Whitby. As a, as a signal stop was unexpected, Whitby, cli Whitby climbed down from the cab to call the signalman from a line-side telephone, only to find the cables had been cut. As he returned to the train, he was overpowered by one of the robbers. Meanwhile, gang members entered the cabin uh, from both sides, and as Mills grappled with one robber, he was struck from behind by another with uh, 
a kosh. What is that? A club. <laughs> I forgot that we're in England. Yes, we are. Everybody's going to turn in the chimney sweep from Mary Poppins now. Yep. And rendered okay. semi-conscious. The robbers now had to move the train to Bredego Bridge, now known as Mentmore Bridge, approximately half a mile further along the track, where they planned to unload the money. One of the robbers had spent months befriending railway staff and familiarizing himself with the layout and operation of the trains and carriages. Ultimately, though, it was decided it would be better to use an experienced train driver to move the locomotive and the first two carriages from the singles to the bridge after uncoupling the carriages. On that night, the gang's hired train driver... Uh, an acquaintance of one of the guys later affer- later referred to as Stan Agate or Peter. <laughs> this is the best story. Okay, Pete. Is that three names? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was unable to operate this newer type of locomotive, although having driven trains for many years, he was by then retired and experienced only on shunting locomotives on the southern region. With no other alternative available to them, it was quickly decided that Mills would have to move the train to the stopping point near the bridge, which was indicated by a white sheet stretched between poles on the track. Biggs' only task was to supervise Agate's participation in the robbery, and when it became obvious that Agate was not able to drive the train, he and Biggs were sent to the waiting truck to help load the mailbags. That's that. You had one job. Get out of here, useless. Exactly. You had one job. Your job was to run the train. You can't even do it. (laughs) The train was stopped at Bredego Bridge, and the robbers' assault force attacked the high-value package's carriage. Uh, Frank Dewhurst was in charge of the free three other postal workers uh, in, in the HVP carriage. Thomas Kett, assistant inspector in charge of the train from Carlisle, was also in the ca- carriage. Dewhurst and Kett were hit with clubs, cautious, when they made a vain attempt to prevent the robbers' storming of the carriage. That's just so you look good to the boss later. Yeah. Hey, we tried, man. We tried. They hit me with... A weird English word for club. <laughs> uh, once the robbers had entered the carriage, the staff could put up no effective resistance and there was no police officer or security guard on board to assist them. The staff were made to lie face down on the floor in a corner of the carriage. Mills and Whitby were then brought into the carriage, handcuffed together, and put down beside the staff. The robbers removed all but eight of the 128 sacks from the HVP carriage, which they transferred about 15 and 20 minutes to the waiting truck by forming a human chain. The gang departed in their Austin Lodestar truck some 30 minutes after the robbery had begun in an effort to mislead any potential witnesses. They used two Land Rover vehicles, both of which were the same registration plates. That's actually, like, very clever. I'm sorry. How did I was, they do that? They duplicated the... So, on the getaway trucks? Yes. They duplicated the, the license plates, so they both had the same plate. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. The gang then headed along minor roads, listening for police broadcasts on a VHF radio, a.k.a. a scanner. Mm-hmm. The journey taking somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour and arrived back at Leatherslade Farm at around 4.30 a.m. At around the same time as the first reports of the crime were being made, Leatherslade was a rundown farm 27 miles from the crime scene between Oakley and Brill. It had been, it had been bought two months earlier as their hideout. At the farm, they counted the proceeds and divided it into 16 full shares and several smaller sums of money attended for associates. The precise amount of the split differ according to the source, but the full shares came to approximately 150,000 pounds each, which is equivalent to 3 million pounds per person or around $7 million. (laughs) Not bad for, it's like 90 minutes of work. Right. 
From listening to their police-tuned radio, the gang learned that the police had calculated they had gone to ground within a 30-mile radius of the crime scene rather than dispersing with their haul. This declaration was based on information given by a witness who stated that a gang member had told the post office workers not to move for half an hour. The press interpreted this information as a 30-mile radius, half an hour drive in a fast car. Uh, the gang realized the police were using a dragnet and with help from the public would probably discover the farm much sooner than had been originally anticipated. As a result, the plan for leaving the farm was brought forward to Friday from Sunday. The crime was committed on a Thursday. So they were going to spend like three days hiding out and they decided, oh, uh, we should just leave now. We should get out of here. The vehicles they had driven to the farm could no longer be used because they had been seen by the train staff. Uh, Brian Field came to the farm on Thursday to pick up his share of the loot and take Roy James to London to find an extra vehicle. Bruce Reynolds and John Daly, not the golfer, picked up cars. Maybe it was the golfer. He's lived a pretty interesting life. No. He was eight, probably. Yeah, exactly. One for Jimmy White and the other for Reynolds. Daly Biggs and the replacement train driver. Field, his wife Karen, and his associate Mark, in quotation marks. I love that. This is my friend Mark. Hi, Mark. Is that your name? As far as you know, it is. <laughs> Brought the vans and drove the remainder of the gang to the Fields' home to recover. Field had arranged with Mark, in quotation marks, to carry out a comprehensive cleanup and set fire to the farm after the robbers had left. Even the robbers had already spent much time wiping the place down to be free of prints. According to Buster Edwards, he stole $10,000 and 10 shilling notes to help pay for Mark's uh, associate fee. However, on Monday, when Charlie Wilson rang Brian Field to check whether the farm had been cleaned, he did not believe Field. <laughs> he called a meeting with Edwards, Reynolds, Daly, and James, and they agreed that they needed to be sure. They called Field to a meeting on Tuesday, where he was forced to admit that he had failed to torch the farm. Uh, oh, jeez. Again, you had one job. <laughs> in, the, in the documentary film, The Great Trade Robbery, Bruce Reynolds' son, Nick, said, The guy who was paid to basically go back to the farm and burn it down did a runner. <laughs> Wilson would have killed Field there and then but was restrained by the others by the time they were ready to go back to the farm however they had re- re- learned that police had found the hideout uh, there is some uncertainty regarding the exact cash stolen from the train uh, the uh, press quoted 2.6 million pounds although the police investigation states the theft of 2.595 million uh, the bulk of the haul in one pound and five pound notes hmm so, like, small bill theft, too. Yeah. There were also 10 shilling notes in Irish and Scottish money because of a 30-minute time limit had been set by Reynolds. Eight of the 128 bags were not stolen and left behind. Statistically, this could have amounted to 131,000 pounds, or 5% of the total. It is alleged that the total weight of the bags removed was 2.5 tons. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. Uh... Famously, the gang had used the money in a game of Monopoly while holed up at the farmhouse. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the robbers had cut all the telephone lines in the vicinity, but one of the railmen left on the train uh, at Sears Crossing caught a passing goods train to Cheddington. Uh-oh, our yeah. furnace just turned on. I'm just trying to figure out how to turn it off. Where he raised the it's alarm. A gift shop, right? Yes, at around 4.20 in the morning. The first reports of the robbery were broadcast on the scanner within a few minutes, and this is where the gang heard the line, a robbery has been committed, and you'll never believe it. They've stolen the train. Uh, so I feel like that's actually like a good place to stop, because if we, when we get uh, Mallory back on here, uh, we'll want to go back into like the actual police work behind, the, behind how they found these guys. Yes, that would be very cool. 
Uh, so right now I'm just killing time because the furnace turned on and we probably can't hear anything that I just said. Okay, we're back. So uh, I just edited a whole bunch of the show out because of the furnace. <laughs> um, but we were at the end of the, of the show anyway uh, because the next time we talk about train robberies, we're definitely going to get Mallory on to be the second half of it, which is how did these guys get caught? Um, and in some ways and in some stories, it's way more interesting than the theft. Yeah. Uh, like early police forensics and stuff is yeah. is very fascinating and i know mallory will kill me if we don't let her on the show to talk about that stuff so um i don't know what do you guys think next week do you actually want to just go through the catalog and talk about cool stuff to buy <laughs> we could i don't know uh mckenzie was geeking out about all kinds of things in there and you so. were yesterday so it's not I like i was yesterday yes. <laughs> yeah and now, I have quite a few ideas, yes. And now that my brother has a child, my mom and her grandmother instincts, yep. I, I gave her a copy of the catalog, too, so she could look oh, at it, because I no. wanted her to look at all the kids' shirts. Uh-huh. So she's also geeking, geeking out about it. Um, I am as well, but uh, I think I'm on a completely different like brain wavelength. So... <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was the that was the depot cast for Friday, February nineteenth. Uh, Mackenzie, what are you doing after this? Um, going to work. <laughs> work. Where are you working at? Yes. I have a part time job at Bath and Body Works on some days of the week. Isn't that awesome? They, do they pay you in in just candles and lotion? Uh, no, that'd be nice, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you do get a paycheck, and pre- presumably a discount with which you could buy lotion and candles. Yes, I do get a discount. Yes, that's cool. Is it is it better or worse than the discount we give you for working here? <laughs> it might be the same. I think it is the same. Your guys is better for everything, of course, but <laughs> I think it's the same. What a now. suck up! All the right answers. So good Just at this saying, job. I'm being. The- known from their listens to this so working for a small yeah really nice like the depot it's the best so i put a i put a thing on facebook when i posted the the newsletter that we had done Mm -hmm. and i put a thing in there it was like Mackenzie did most of the work on this so everybody should talk about how smart she is and the only two people who commented were Mackenzie's mother and her grandmother (laughs) i didn't even see that your boyfriend hasn't even chimed in yet you should go smack him <laughs> all right so uh well, don't forget to send me your your hours yeah it's it's yeah. pay sheet day and both of us have forgotten so yes. we need to do and that it's now. friday yeah it's friday Wait. actually today tonight after i do the um goodness what is it the catalog we just got i have an idea for the newsletter for an article so all right oh good what yes because i want you to start put, doing like the layout to it yes mm-hmm I was trying to get a head start on it this time, so. Our our, our outro started, so I guess it's time to stop, huh? Oh. Can you hear the outro? A little bit. A little bit, because you're hearing it through speakers that are on in here. All right, well, the outro means we have to shut up. So okay. uh, that was the end of the show. Uh, thank you, Mackenzie. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Mary. See you next week. And thank you, myself, for not blowing the computer up again. So, all right, see you later. Bye. Okay, I'm turning the heat back. You're, you're, you're still alive. <laughs>